0: I'll be assuming Caroline Street Command. I got a two and a half story wood occupied multiple dwelling. I got heavy fire from the second floor, Charlie side. I have an exposure on the Delta side. We have one line stretch, not in operation yet. Primary searches are underway. Status of the fire is doubtful. Welcome back fans of the volley chief. This is chief David Leonard have a exciting new episode as always. I don't think I've had a boring episode yet, but uh, other than when pigeons on, right? (laughs) He gets, he gets mad when we, uh, when we talk about him, but uh, my guest today, very well known in the, uh, the Southern Connecticut area. He's been a partner of mine. I would say proudly for probably 20 years now of us sharing a border So I'm gonna let him introduce himself and we're gonna talk a little bit today. We're we're facing down another winter storm, which depending on where you live in the country, everyone has their weather threats. If we're up here in New England, storms, winter storms are something we always worry about. Tropical storms and hurricanes come along in the summer if you're down south, obviously. More severe weather out west They have wildfires, heat waves. But we're gonna talk a little bit about what we do up here to prepare for these winter storms and, and kind of what you could be doing and why it helps the organization to have this plan first. But before that, I'm gonna introduce Joe Lasella, my special guest. Joe, give us a little bit about hey, yourself. thanks, Dave.
1: Yeah, my name is Joe LaCella. I'm a 30-year EMS, a former volunteer firefighter, I'm currently full-time emergency management director, still working actively also in EMS as the assistant chief, for Echoes ambulance in Shelton. Um, made this my career about 20 years ago. And uh, just happy to be here, you know, been uh, friends with Dave for a long time. I'm actually getting ready to take a quick nap because uh, we've got a big storm coming in. So um, just uh, wanted to jump on with you for a little bit before I get some rest, before I wake up about two or three this morning and start monitoring the storm that's coming in.
0: Right, and a lot of, you know, a lot of departments don't realize it. a couple things. You, you should always have a plan for these events. And now, fortunately, for where we live, I would say a lot of our events, we, we have the, the luxury of time. Would you agree?
1: Uh, absolutely. You know, a lot of our events are, are pre-planned. You know, we have some lead up, you know, we, I mean, of course, we get the occasional microburst or uh, small little tornado or, you know, but we don't have necessarily those types of disasters that come kind of unexpectedly or, or rapidly. Ours are generally pre-planned. And, and gives us a little time to kind of get our teams in place uh, so we can deal with the uh, situation at hand.
0: Right. You know, a, a blizzard, a large winter storm, ice storm, uh, even in tropical storms, the hurricanes that we get, th- we have days notice of those. So the ability for the agencies to, to pre-plan and, and coordinate is, is very easy in those types of events. It's the, like you mentioned, the sudden microburst or the, the small tornado, Uh, The flash flood we had a few years ago, which was one of the more, you know, interesting weather phenomenons I've seen up here. Those are the ones that kind of really get you. So there's no reason as officers and as chief officers that we don't have these plans in place. And by now, it it should really just be a page in a playbook. We shouldn't be reinventing the wheel every time an event comes along.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, you have your game plan, you know, you may, uh, be able to pull that out at any given time. Sure, you may veer from it a little bit, you may make some alterations, but at the end of the day, you have your base plan, Um, kind of gives you a blueprint of where you need to go, you know, what you should be doing, you know, leading up to the event, during the event, and post the event, so, you know, we we find it helpful, you know, if uh, anyone hasn't done that yet, start to build out that playbook, put it in writing, you know, share it with your new folks, give it to your new supervisors, your new line officers, Uh, Give them an understanding of what the expectation is and kind of what some of their roles and responsibilities are leading up to these events.
0: And again, like always, it's got to be a a team approach. you got to include the fire department, you got to include, you know, EMS, police, public works all together. Um, I mean, for us, I also think, too, there's a huge value in having this professionally set up and ready to go. Because it's going to make the department look better. You, you, there are a lot of people who are skeptical of organizations because, oh, they're just volunteers, or you know, they they do this part time, but the police department's full time. When you show up with a prepared plan in a united front, your value to the community is so much better. And, you, and by showing that standardized level of preparedness for all events, it, it really does increase your stock and it increases your value in the community. And when does that come into play? Well, it comes into play at budget time. A lot of the the powers to be in the city will remember how prepared and how well you you handled those large scale incidents. And and that's kind of a big effect on your organization.
1: Absolutely. I mean, people rely on us every day, um, you know, and uh, when your community is in crisis, uh, when you can, you know, have confidence, when the, the community has confidence in you, knowing that you have a solid plan, you can execute that plan and, and you can deliver, you know, you know they're going to um, you know, kind of stand by your side. You know, we all have good times and bad times. And uh, you know, we, we want to make sure that uh, we take these opportunities when we can pre- pre- uh, prepare for things, to take those opportunities, prepare well, deliver well. Um, and then, you know, sometimes when we get caught off guard with things, you know, um, it, it makes a big difference, especially when people know that, on a regular day-to-day basis, you're you're pretty well prepared and ready to
0: go. Right, and Joe, run run us down your asset list in Shelton. Give us a just a, a you know Shelton. I always say is one of the more amazing communities in in my area. When we were kids, it was it was really farm. You know, there wasn't much uh, in the way of of commercial. It was still a lot of farmland, a lot of open field, and now it's become a very you know commercially. Uh, centered powerhouse of our area and become a a kind of a a major player in in the state of Connecticut. But give us the, the, you know, the population, the size, what assets you have.
1: You know, uh, it sees over 50,000 people a day that comes into town for work and and recreation restaurants, um, different medical offices, doctor's offices. Um, When I started 30 years ago, we were small little farm town, Um, but we grew and we have high rises and apartment buildings and, All kinds of businesses. I think we have over 1,800 businesses now. Everything from Subway, International Headquarters, Wiffle Ball, some major corporations uh, from around the world. Um, So now we respond to almost 7,000 emergency calls a year. We started off as a 100% volunteer department, had to go to a blended model. Uh, Today we're still an active volunteer service uh, with over 75 volunteers at any given time. Working alongside those that have chosen to make this a career as well. We work as one unified team to respond to, uh, like I said, almost 7,000 emergencies a year. You know, we're supported by a, a fully volunteer fire department. They're amazing. Um, you know, they've got great members, great trained personnel um, who operate uh, multiple, multiple large scale incidents and fires each year. Um, as well as the police department that, you know, work, you know, in partnership with us and the fire department uh, to make sure we have a good unified command uh, to, you know, serve the the community when, when necessary.
0: Right. And like I said, you know, I I always tell everyone when we were kids right from downtown to stop and shop on Bridgeport Ave was nothing. And now it's, it's completely developed. And it's just really an amazing town transformation, but we have a lot of, uh, commonalities when it comes to these storms. Now, obviously, you know, the first thing you think about is beefing up your staff. I mean, that's the number one thing. Uh, thing. Now, obviously in the model that we use in Derby, the daytime's covered by uh, by paid staff, the nighttime covered by volunteers. You guys have paid staff on the clock 24 um, seven. I, I mean, I always use a six inch approach. That was always my um, my kind of gauge of when we should start adding you know, especially with snow, if it was going to be six inches or more, let's uh, start working on that. There's so many inappropriate jokes I can make right now about that, but um, it's a PG show. What about you? How did you usually determine when uh, the, yeah, the winter storms were going like to be coming?
1: Six covered. inches or above, you know, we start thinking about bringing in extra resources. You know, we have that one, you know, team where we'll send a, an email out to, to all staff, you know, who's available, uh, who's willing to come in early for their shift, who's willing to stay late, you know, who's willing to pick up extra ambulances, you know, any given time. You know, we, we run three uh, cars on during the day, two cars on the overnight, uh, all ALS level cars as much as possible. Um, but doing so, that really, you know, forces us uh, to upstaff as needed and be able to really provide, um, you know, the resources that our community needs on a day-to-day basis, but also be prepared when the storm comes through. And really, when storms come through, it's it's not very busy, um, but we need to think about what time are we gonna get our folks in to get there before the storm? Because when I have people trying to commute to work in the middle of a storm, it's dangerous for them. I don't want them getting hurt. Does that mean we're gonna, you know, let's offer to pay them for an extra six hours, 12 hours, get there early, be there in-house, safe, uh, ready to go at the start of their shift? And, um, you know, add some additional crews and resources, carrying people through the snow is dangerous. Um, it, it's labor intensive, we want to have extra people on to help, you know, with those, those tasks that are so important for patient care and for rescuing folks, uh, in the need of care. Um, you know, so there's a lot of tasks that need to be done and, and, and staffing is just one of the major components of that is, is having, you know, um, uh, the depth. You know, you get a storm that lasts a couple days. When we had the blizzard back in 2013, you know, we, we ran for two or three days solid um, calls in holding for, for hours at a time, not being able to get to different places around town. And, you know, really just working, you know, as a team with our, with our partners in and, and the, the, the local towns, the, the National Guard, the fire departments, police departments, other EMS agencies, you know to, to do what we have to do to, to get the job done you also think about logistics how are we you know how are we going to feed these people you know things may not be open to go and get food so do i have enough food in house do i have enough guys and i'm not sending crews on the road empty-handed because you know they get stranded they need to have water they need to have food they need to have you know extra blankets uh so in case they do get stranded out in the ambulance or, or you know fire apparatus. They can take care of themselves for until we can get them help, and that actually happened to us and, and many other agencies, you know, many years ago during recent blizzards uh, in, in this past decade.
0: Yeah, so we'll we'll bring in staff. Obviously, uh, having the rescue side, it's it's a little bit different for us. So we'll we'll staff both the ambulances. We'll we'll staff the rescue. We'll usually actually even staff the, a fly car too because. As you know, during a storm, having a couple guys in a pickup or a couple guys in an SUV, or even during the blizzard, one of the best vehicles, you know, we had the Players Rangers, the six wheels; those were getting around great during the big blizzard compared to to regular vehicles. And I, I, you know, you're staffing up. Another thing too, considering it is is changing your deployment. Uh, Derby's very simple, right? I've talked about it. You got one town split up the middle by a river, so everything's kind of east and west. The ambulances are located at downtown at the at the storms a lot of times during the larger uh at the storms firehouse not at the storms being the storm but uh a lot of times during a a large event a large snowstorm some of the, the tropical storms we'll staff a crew on one of the ambulances and move them across town to deploy them with one of the firehouses and i think that's something too a lot of people don't think a lot about but you sometimes you might have to move some of your resources around you you know your district you know where the hard spots are to get to in, in, and you can make a good call by moving a, a crew to from one firehouse to another, moving a, an asset from one building to another because you know it's it's more likely going to be spread yeah. out and needed in uh, other we places. Have
1: a snow plan in place so that uh, when snow gets over six inches, we will relocate resources around the town uh, and station them in some of the fire departments. Um, and, you know, we'll also have a dual response. Uh, you know, in many of these types of storms where. You know the fire department may not necessarily go out with us on every medical all the time, but it's on an automatic dispatch when um, we have really significant storms. Um, tomorrow may be one of those times where you know if we see that the snow is getting pretty deep, uh, we may you know speak to the on-duty uh, command officers and you know ensure that we have a, a response you know to assist with those things. But deploying your resources, spreading them out in the community, um, ensure faster on-scene times. You know, during the inclement weather, is you know an important part of that plan,
0: right? And you know, you—I was thinking about when you said that. I could recall a couple times where we would send, you know, the, an engine would go with the ambulance, and they would say, like, "Oh, the engine got there." By the time the ambulance got there, the guys had the sidewalk shoveled from the street to the door so that the ambulance crew can get right in. It it, it just makes sense to add. That, that additional manpower that you 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 know you otherwise would have sitting around to it. And uh, I think that's another good thing. Another asset that you need to be involved with and another crew you need to have on speed dial is your public works department. Now, we're, we're fortunate in Derby that our public works kind of shares one of the fire department radio frequencies. So it's just a flip of a switch, and you're on the, the radio with the public works dispatchers. But our police department does a phenomenal job of Every time there's a medical, every time there's a fire, they'll call Public Works, and you'll hear the Public Works dispatcher, you know, say, "Hey, there's a there's a medical on you know Derby Avenue. Can somebody go over there and, and plow?" And a lot of times when we're getting close to the call, you'll pick up a plow. Or again, some of the bigger storms, you've had plows at the firehouse, and as soon as a call comes in, they're leading the the way. Uh, I I would agree with you that the the 2013 blizzard, which we just had the anniversary of a couple of days ago. I, I don't know, talk about getting old. I don't remember when they started naming winter storms. Uh, It's it's winter storm Nemo, I guess, up here as they refer to it. But that was the blizzard of 2013. You know, we did that. We had uh, plows that were automatically dispatched, you know, loaders. And then we even had, like you mentioned, the National Guard was involved. Things that I I, I don't think we really, we've planned for, but we never thought we'd get involved in. Um, Obviously, this planning for a winter event and the planning for a summer event like a hurricane or a tropical storm, it's relatively the same. I mean, the, the, you know, you're worried about the wind, you're worried about power and you're worried about flooding. And that's what it is. And in, in Derby and Shelton being inland, but affected by tidal rivers, you know, we've, we've had issues with flooding, power outages and, and the wind. So it works both ways. I think another asset of and, and i know joe see this is the part where everyone's going to make fun of us because we're a little bit nerdy about this i'm a big fan of using the nims forms i'm a big fan of sticking with the you know the get a 201 ready and and again it shows your professionalism if you show up to a, a pre-meeting with the right paperwork this is what fema uses and that's where on the back end those of us that have sat in the the, the, the bigger chairs you know when you're paying so in derby uh You'll get paid somewhere, but depending about $20 an hour, depending on uh, what, what you're doing for the fire department and the ambulance corps during the storm. Now, you think, oh, it's just $20 an hour, but you're paying, you know, 20 guys $20 an hour for, for sometimes 36 hours. It's a huge expense to the town, or it's a huge additional expense to the organizations. So down the road, when, when you know, if a disaster area is cleared, uh, declared, and you start going for reimbursement, That's why I recommend using the FEMA forms and the NIMS forms right off the bat, because that's what they're looking for on the back end. And you're much more into it than I am with emergency management.
1: 214. Am I wrong? Honestly, a a super important form uh, when you're running a large-scale incident. You know, we started using 214s during the pandemic. And during the pandemic, we actually were were, using a 214 for every 12-hour shift. Where we were logging who was there, what hours on the truck, what calls we did, because we weren't sure if there was going to be reimbursement afterwards. That was a great way for our company officers, you know, to get used to a 214. You know, probably the easiest way to integrate a 214 is just using it as a shift report. You know, if you guys have, uh, you know, on-duty officers that will come in and come out, uh, you know, on a regular basis, or, or, you know, if you're a paid crew and you have uh, on-duty supervisors. A 2.14 is a great way to get experience, and it's a great way just to pass along communication uh, to the next shift. Um, it really is an easy way to start to integrate that into your day-to-day format. You know, they're online. You can do them, uh, you know, uh, fillable PDFs. Um, you know, when you have a, an event in your town, whether it be a weather event or some kind of uh, fireworks or some kind of carnival, you know, put together a, a, an ICS package. When you do your pre-planning meeting like you had said it's handing it out to all your staff there's nothing like when your staff come in and especially if they're staggered to say hey listen here's the plan for the day and you hand them a package of, of, of 201 a 202 uh, you know safety message you know and they know exactly what their responsibilities are they know who to call if there's an emergency they know what, what frequency to go on um, it really clears up any uh confusion and it keeps it consistent, you know, for all those responders that may be working, you know, a large scale incident, a pre-planned incident, um, you know, and and then you have good documentation of it as well. Um, Listen.
0: Right. And and as you mentioned, a great example is, again, uh, Derby and Shelton being, you know, they're separated by a, a bridge that's 200 yards long and the river that's underneath it. But it's the downtown neighborhoods are interchangeable and the fireworks every summer, 4th of July, the towns go in on fireworks. They launch half the fireworks from the Derby side, half the fireworks from the Shelton side. And we do this. We, we just, the, the ease of having this pre-filled out, pre-ready to go, our 201, our two. I mean, at this point, yes, we do just change the dates on a lot of it, update the names because the plan is the plan and we've been, you know, tinkering it for years. But it, right a few weeks before, you'll email me yours. I'll email you mine, and, and we we look at it. We know what it is. It's a standardized form. It's standard language, it, and you it makes sense to you because you're familiar with it yeah, and you understand listen, what a great the, way to, the value
1: of it to have teamwork and collaboration with those within your own town or city is get the other disciplines to work together to form one IAP because it really didn't they want to have one IAP for that event. But then you start working with partners you know in other towns that maybe you don't necessarily work with every day have that planning meeting write that iap set those goals and objectives um, write it together it gives you an opportunity to sit around the table with people that maybe you don't work with on a regular day-to-day basis lets you get to know a little bit more about their operation they get to know about your operation and at the end of the day you come up with this great document that you hope that you don't have to use for more than just informational purposes but You know, you can hand it to everybody who shows up on scene. If something goes bad, you know, you have documentation that you were well prepared. You're not going to have people saying that, you know, you weren't prepared for for something that maybe turned, you know, uh, bad, um, you know, that you weren't expecting. Um, It's important to have a plan and and people, you know, are going to expect that from us now as well as we move, you know, together in the future.
0: Yeah, and and back to that degree of professionalism. You know, think about it. Your your mayor, your selectman, your board of whoever call you, and they bring you in. You're the authority, right? You're the fire department. You're the ambulance corps. And they say, "Hey, look, we're going to have a firework display downtown, and it's going to bring in ten thousand people. Uh, do you guys like? What do you guys want to do? Do you guys want to have a plan for it? And you you know, you pull out a couple post notes versus you pull out neatly prepared forms. Again, it's going to it's going to greatly increase your stock in the community. You're gonna email it to the mayor's staff. You're gonna say, "Hey, here's our plan." And as you mentioned, if something goes wrong, that's your fallback. Hey, this is the plan. This is what we're doing. We were ready for it. You know, I I, I always laugh because one of my favorite quotes to use in the fire service when we talk about having a plan is Mike Tyson's. Right? Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. It's a it's the truth. Uh, but you had a plan, and you could you could say, "Okay," and it includes a lot of things, right? You think about the. I'm, I'm off the top of my head. I'm thinking the fireworks plan. It's a lot of crowd management uh, what to do if there's a medical what to do if there's a fire what to do if there's a lost child you know all these different things that that happen there large festivals uh you know what to do if there's some again some people get a little bit crazy but i, I even saw one on what to do if there was a, a yeah. uh, large bee sting incident because some place one time there was a festival and they hit a bee's nest and it's like okay so you know you're you're, you're planning it's just, it's making the organization stronger. It's making the responders stronger. It also, it it helps train your your younger members. I mean, get a group of your younger officers together and tell them, okay, hey, look, we're getting a hurricane. We're getting a tropical storm. I want you guys to come up with an incident action plan for it. it it's a great way to, to bring the next level up. Common theme lately where we're predicted to have these large snow events and um they're they're not materializing so uh i just want to take a minute and thank joe for being here today i think i'm having a little bit of a technical difficulty but uh it was a great having him on we're definitely going to have him again with his wealth of knowledge and uh in the expertise so for everyone have a good night be safe and uh, we'll see you later FD1's back in service, command's terminated.